0: it's josh williams here and welcome to another episode of the one man podcast a bonus episode brought to you by absolute comedy of course uh, today, my guest is a regular on CBC's The Debaters. He's performed at the Just for Laughs Festival numerous times, and he has a new CD out called Tet Offensive. My guest today is David Pride. Thank you so much for joining me, Dave. Thank you for having me, Josh. Yeah, I'm excited. I, uh, I As I say, almost every single one of these bonus episodes, I have no idea how to start interviews, <laughs> so we just sort of jump right into it. Um, you've been in town. You're at Absolute uh, in Ottawa this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've uh, yeah
1: been here. Uh, yeah, it's my fifth day on the on the on the tour of duty here
0: yeah how's the shows going so far
1: they're great it's a well it's it's uh you know as you know it's a it's a pretty good club for uh for good shows like you just uh and you did in.
0: you did three that now i have to mention that everyone's gonna be hearing this on friday which means that you've been out of town for like five days at the point that they're hearing this. right we've got you got two shows tonight and then uh, and then a show sunday and then yeah it's
1: yeah i'm thinking it's it's worth three shows is tonight, there three maybe. shows tonight yeah you did three.
0: three last night so this is yeah you're i mean you're you're crushing shows um so anyone who's listening to this, uh, ottawa you've lost your opportunity to see them, unfortunately because i've done this too late in the week had i done this earlier in the week maybe we'd put it up you know yesterday yeah. but uh, regardless regardless anyone listening six months from now you're way too late are you anywhere for anyone who's listening are you uh, doing any of the other clubs uh, I, this coming week or for week?
1: absolute this is this is my uh, this last one of the uh, of the little of the little tour already kingston toronto and then uh this one so, so
0: this is the last one. okay so i can't yeah. even point them to that yeah. all right that's I, fine
1: i'll be in the cornwall comedy festival in
0: <laughs> early may <laughs> okay there you go so if anyone wants to make the trip to cornwall it will be well worth it david uh, is an outstanding comedian i i always ask all of my guests because just to give the the listeners an idea. Um, is, is how did you get started in stand up comedy? You have a, a giant list of accomplishments and we will get to those, but how did, what got you started in stand up comedy?
1: Um, graduated journalism school, was living in Halifax, uh, graduated journalism school, rapidly realized I didn't want to be a journalist, <laughs> looked for something to do. Uh, was I okay. Volunteer cameraman at the local cable access, uh, videotaped a guy giving an infomercial on the cable channel movie package. <laughs> I thought, man, that's that's the life I want to have, is give an infomercial on, uh, on 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 cable TV movie packages. So I asked him. He referred me to an agent. I went to the agent, did a couple of acting workshops for their agency, met Paul Ash there. Okay. He's, he did stand-up <laughs> comedy. I thought, yeah, you know, that's something I was always curious about too. And he's like, well, I'm doing a show and like – two weeks you want to do uh you want to try stand-up and i was like yeah why not because i was i was very rudderless at that point <laughs> and then uh and i did it and i i still have the audio cassette and it's it was i think it was objectively awful and yet but it, but the crowd loved it because it was a uh, at the dalhousie pub and there was it was like a drunk crowd or just uh because uh, it was all all university jokes about uh, you know how you know the usual stuff about how cows can go upstairs but they can't go downstairs that sort of thing
0: <laughs> is that a real thing
1: yeah yeah because that's uh, cuz yeah when I went I was in Mount Allison in New Brunswick and and that was a thing where you you'd steal a cow from one of the local fields this is Sackville New Brunswick so you, you'd let them let them go in and then get them up the stairs to somebody's dorm floor and and they couldn't get them that's fucking back hilarious. down. That's
0: hilarious. I've never heard of that. That's so funny. <laughs> They'd though.
1: usually do it before spring break, so by the time everyone got back, this cow would have crapped all, over the- <laughs> all You no just way.
0: push it, and it'll go up the stairs, but it will not go downstairs. That's the rumor.
1: I haven't seen this phenomenon, but that's uh that's sort of
0: I'm sure that there's something legitimate to it, especially <laughs> people who are doing it. That's yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> Maybe just something of them seeing the down and not want to do it. But that's that's great. Uh <laughs> I also like so you did, did well. Like how long was it before you did? Because uh, was there a yuck yucks out there? I would imagine. I know there's. Halifax had no no regular stand up,
1: but what was <clears throat> what was cool there? <clears throat> sorry, I'm, 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 my voice uh, always craps out thirty seconds into the interview. <laughs> no worries. Um, but um, a lot of comedians were out there writing for this hour is twenty two minutes, oh, okay. and. They, I did a couple of shows with Paul. He produced a couple local shows and they were fun and stuff. But then um, guys like Chris Finn, Tim Steves, and Mark Farrell were uh, putting on like this monthly like little bar gig in Halifax. It was more for them just to keep up their chops. So one of them would MC, one would close it out, and one would middle. But they'd open up, you know, about uh, 15 minutes for locals to jump on and do five that's very cool and they let me do it and uh, and and it went really well and and so you know they all said yeah no that's you, there's something there and it was Tim Steves who sort of said you know what you could you probably should get to a big city that has comedy more than once a month <laughs> and I was like I'm from Montreal I was like go back there I was like okay
0: so you moved out to Halifax yeah yeah for what oh for the school
1: uh yeah pretty much and uh, well I've i been in New Brunswick for a bit and then uh, um, I didn't want to move back home yet. So I sort of went out to Halifax to look for something to do and did some odd jobs and then found the journalism school and so yeah, so I, I was kind of almost ready to leave Halifax anyway. I just sort of needed an excuse. And then yeah.
0: Tim Steve says, Hey, go make your fortune in Montreal. I was like, Okay. So that's cool. So you went back there and obviously I guess you got started in the, the, the club scene at that point. Yeah, yeah. How long after that did you move? Cause that's, that's a tough thing for a lot of comics is to sort of bite the bullet and decide, okay, I'm going to yeah. move.
1: It wasn't really a bite the bullet thing. Cause it was, you know, th- my, my family was, so it was more like moving home. Right. But it, so it was the best of both worlds of moving, <laughs> moving home and setting out on the, on, on the rough road. But, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know i i did i did those bar i did about three of those bar gigs um so that was like january february march and then by may i i'd move i don't you know i moved back home wow yeah no i had i i, I did not have many roots to pull up <laughs> at that point So it wasn't it's that. still
0: like it's still interesting <clears throat> some people will do like one show or they'll do a few like well i guess i mean really there's a lot of open mics here so it's easy to look at that way there if there isn't there if you're doing one then the next month you can't wait to do that other one again and, yeah, and try yeah. it again then you're like yeah if, if i have to wait a month that's like you said there's no roots to pull up just do it just move back and now you can do it more often how how long after you got to montreal was it before you started getting you know like 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 what happened when you got back how, how much so
1: i got back i pretty much called uh the comedy works which uh the, the two main clubs are the comedy works and the comedy Nest, and I, uh, I guess maybe it was Paul gave me the number to the comedy works. And so I called for their open mic, like the very next week I got back. And, um, and so, and Paul had, uh, called ahead and, or, or had told, he'd actually told a just for laughs guy. And what was funny is my very first open mic in Montreal was a just for laughs showcase. Oh, wow. Um, but I was sort of like, it was a whole bunch of people showcasing and they were throwing two or three rookies on just to bite the bullet at the beginning of the showcase so i was one of those rookies but um jimbo who owned the comedy works then saw me and the just for laughs guy saw me and they they thought it was was cool like they so i got jimbo sort of said come back anytime nice and and that was i didn't realize at the time but that was a a pretty lucky breakthrough because in the years since i've seen like people do open mics and jimbo can you watch me and he's downstairs drinking or whatever and he just yeah he he get he forms opinions really fast and if you sort of don't grab his attention right away it was really hard for people to sort of break in so i was just maybe because it was a just for laughs so he was watching anyway and i it was uh you know very lucky and um and plus beyond Just for Laughs radar, they didn't you know, do anything with me then because I was way too new. Right. But they showcased me the next year and they, because they, they already knew who I was and stuff. And uh, and I got a homegrown the next year.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's awesome to be able to, and that quick into comedy. So your first year doing it, they saw you, Jimbo, and, and Just for Laughs saw you, the next year you got homegrown. Right? Yeah. Two years in, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a little different, I should say, it was a little different. They didn't, it wasn't like one person from every city. They so so there was me and like three other montreal they kind of split it up into regions so it was a bunch of montreal ottawa and toronto people were on my nights and right and um like that so so it wasn't quite it was a little easier to get in but then once you're in and it was amazing and that was 1999 and i won the homegrown that year and nice. so that that just flew everything into a tizzy and, the, <laughs> and and the uh the best part of that like for synchronicity was the MC of the homegrown was Tim Steves that year. So <laughs> that's so, amazing, so and he, he
0: was the one who, inc- yeah,
1: yeah. So it was really like he was like, it was you know very happy. He was like a, you know a, a showbiz mom just watching like, hey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's wicked. So. Uh, it's and uh, so in terms of of the club stuff, how long was it before you started getting like paid work? Cause that's amazing to get just for laughs two years in is, is great. I haven't, you don't really hear of that anymore yeah. where you, you have to, you know, come up for a few years mm-hmm. before a, a club owner will put you on one of those showcases, and then just for laughs has to see you a couple of times before they know that you're consistent and yeah. you know, so that's, that's in and of itself is amazing. Yeah. But in terms of the actual, like that's great for a festival in terms of the, the regular work as a comic, do you remember how long it was before you were getting, you know, regular work or paid work performing at the clubs?
1: It wasn't that long because it was uh, Mon- Montreal had a lot of stage time. Like it still does, but it's more independent satellite rooms like to buffer because the clubs are, are a bit harder to get into than But, but uh, back then, I-, I got into the clubs fairly quick because they had, you had the two clubs had, uh, well, Comedy Works had an open mic. They had Improv Tuesday and Wednesday, but they would let openers, you know, go up for free and open for them. So okay. they started giving me those spots. Um, the Comedy Nest on the weekends always had guest spots. So early on, you could get three or four shows, you know, if if they liked you and would bring you back, you could get three or four shows a week pretty easy. And those got kicked up to sort of paid spots uh, fairly quickly. So it was just, just, uh, just a matter of months before... You know, I was getting the stage time I needed, and then plus they were they were uh, giving some you know opening spots to me. So um, that and th- and then that year I got the the homegrown. Uh, um, they'd also started emceeing me a bit more, and I kind of became a house emcee for the Works Open Mic for about a year, and that's pretty good experience. Oh, just, absolutely, just, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So every Monday, I was I would emcee you know an open mic, which means you're up there you know twelve times a night just. Uh, doing a bit and bringing up the next act but it's you know that that helps Uh,
0: absolutely and were you doing that thing or were like were you doing different material all the time or were you were you working on the same like because that's that's a challenge for a lot of, of young comics is you know they're they're always trying to do something different because of the same groups and, and things yeah. that they're traveling in yeah do you remember if you were if you were doing new stuff all the time or because you have i mean i'm i'm sorry i'm all over the map in terms of structuring it but i'm i'm very fascinated by by your process because i personally i've i've heard your material and i've only ever known you since just so like i grew up and i saw your sets and your galas, on just for laughs and, and your writing is absolutely outstanding. Oh, thanks. So for myself, someone who doesn't write at all, I'm very fascinated. Like, is that, <laughs> is that why well, I, I don't, I, mm-hmm. I, a lot of guys will go up on stage with an idea and they refer to that as writing. Right. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you write your material or, or do you, do you go to the stage with an idea?
1: No, no, I, de- I definitely get on stage with the, I, the thing fully formed. Okay. I'm not, I'm not good at, right? I know uh, some people sort of are good at writing on the stage, like just bouncing the idea around and then the joke forms based on the audience reaction. Um, I don't like doing that. I, I, I always, when I'm on an open mic, I just, uh, I want to give the, the joke the best shot at success that it has. Right. Otherwise I can't, I can't really judge whether it's good or not. Um, so I try to have the idea as crystal clear in my head as possible before, I try it the first time right then i get a a accurate read on whether you know how good it is because i because i have done in the past where i've gone up with it kind of fully formed or you know i know the first couple of punch lines but then we'll see where it goes and if the feedback isn't that great then i don't know whether well is that because the idea is bad or is it just i didn't prepare enough right and and then i find i'm scared because bad feedback kind of naturally scares me away from that joke for at least a, a few weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that can be kind of a waste whereas if you if you go up prepared and if it bombs after you've prepared it, then you've got a better idea, okay, I'll I'll set that one aside. But if you go half formed and then it bombs, but you're kind of wondering Ah, but it was, nah, there's something there. I just didn't uh, sell it properly.
0: Yeah, it gives you, I guess, a few different points that you can be like, well, this is why I didn't succeed at that, as opposed to just being like, okay, well, no, it's formed. They just didn't like that or whatever. Yeah. Have Have you always uh, written that way? Like you're saying you have tried it before, but did, did that evolve into that sort of method of. of-
1: I guess so. I think, I think, um, I don't think I've done it very often where I tried the, sort of the free form. I think that I very quickly realized. I just I just didn't like that just just purely from a being on you know the being on stage bombing it just there's, you have a very adverse reaction to that <laughs> so it's like no I don't want to feel that way again yeah so that you, sucks um, so yeah but when I started out I remember it was my first three open mics were five completely different or uh, five completely different minutes every night and um, and they were just kind of re- kind of on one topic and I would just kind of ramble on it um, but you know I, I they were good hits and stuff but then I remember uh, you know they gave me an opening spot and it was a 15 minute spot and I thought well I'll just take my five my three five minute chunks and quickly sort of got a grasp of like okay open mic is not the same as a weekend spot mm-hmm. and the, the five minutes sort of the meandering stories you know they it was harder to keep the audience's attention if they didn't if they weren't on board with the topic that was five minutes of dead air or whatever <laughs> um so and and that's and that kind of uh sort of I saw, saw the value of you know a bit of variety in the in the topics and uh, it felt like a breakthrough what felt like a breakthrough was when I I did like uh the first and it seems obvious now but there's an open mic where I just listened back to all my other jokes at this point, maybe you know, five topics that I had just, you know, expounded on and stuff. And I just took like the biggest laugh from each topic, put them together. Now I had a, and I did it. I got the best punchline on each topic and I right. listened to the recordings. Oh, that sounds like a stand up set. Now it was just like, that's pretty cool. And yeah, it was, it was really exciting. It's like, Oh, that's, Instead of like beating each topic to death, I just uh, right you know, boom. That's one and and it uh,
0: and there's comics that now that 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 I've heard that will do that. They will take a subject and they will beat it to death. Where it's like, I've I've heard jokes. I mean, I guess that it, it goes both ways. I've heard jokes where I go, that joke should have been over, you know, seven minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard jokes that were shortened and you know, maybe thirty seconds to a minute. I go, there was so much more there, mm-hmm, Like, mm-hmm. you know um
1: and, and people have different methods i've heard i've heard mike wilmot uh this is what i've heard I, have, I haven't heard this from him but someone said he was talking to mike and and mike apparently takes a notebook he he gets an idea down and then uh you know has some jokes about the idea and over time fills up like the whole notebook with jokes on that topic. on just that one thing so, so he goes in the opposite direction he starts with the seed and then it just grows into a bit and which is cool i my experience is the opposite i i start out i throw in everything but the kitchen sink and then it just gets smaller and chis- smaller, smaller and smaller as you sort of but so that but you know there's so there's different ways of working
0: um when you when you get an idea because um, it's different for all of us right like i mean i've had like three ideas this morning that i've already forgotten mm-hmm. but when you get a new idea for something does it is there anything that you're doing do you have uh, I guess like a creative process because you, you do a lot of stuff in Canada, like I said, all over the map in terms of the structure of this thing. But I mean, normally I'll ask people what the milestones are and things like that, but we've already talked about, you've hit milestones early with the the showcasing for just for laughs and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Was it long before you were headlining?
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. Cause um, yeah, I find headlining is, is tricky just, just in terms of, stamina you could have the material to fill the time Mm -hmm. but but um it's hard if if you have trouble keeping the energy up for that time um it can it can make for like a an awkward headline set um, whereas you're supposed to be closing out the show, you're supposed to build it to a big crescendo, and right. and uh, you know it's, the Comedy Nest was the first to give me some headline spots, and I remember that first weekend, and it was there were some good nights, but there were some bad ones where it's like yeah, I had had sort of trouble squeaking over the finish <laughs> line. Um, so I I when I got with Yuck Yucks uh, early on, they they put me as a middle, and I kind of stayed as a middle for a long time, which I was all right with because i was just sort of practicing getting you know keeping that compressed energy together and um and it wasn't a while before they start to headline me and even then there was there was growing pains then for you know filling filling up the time and seeing you know putting the more softer stuff in the middle but but seeing if you can sort of hold their attention for that till you get to your big closing bits or yeah yeah but it's it's I, but I do I, I mean I still find it hard to do if uh oh really yeah yeah like sometimes yeah you build to your closer but if if for some some reason the uh, energy's off or something and your big closer so just doesn't get what you're used to it's I, I found that when I was starting out headlining that was a that was a funny thing because I, I usually have two or three closing bits and it's like okay what am i going to end on and and i found consistently i was like should have should have bailed out the one before like my second to last closer <laughs> got the biggest laugh and and um but yeah and some of that might have to do with the order with the flow of the show like
0: There's a lot more to it than people think. People think we're just up there and we're just telling jokes, but there's, there's a lot of, of consideration and things like that is what should I say for the closer? What have they liked even to see who's on before you and how the audience is reacting to that subject matter with them? Are they, are they, there's shows where obviously they don't want dirty or, or filthy or dark stuff. Obviously you would think, but then there's shows where you go, oh, they're really like that guy did, you know, a bunch of clean stuff. Didn't enjoy it you know or this particular type of it, it, so it's it's something that always has to be evaluated because of course going back to comedy being subjective you have to watch and see what everyone's into yeah. when i host i will deliberately um pick like i will i will deliberately throw out a swear every now and again of course it being permitted on the show we'll throw it out every now and again just so that everyone else can see how they respond. respond to it yeah it doesn't go well like that's my job as the host is to sort of
1: break the f barrier yeah
0: yeah, exactly i will go and i will make sure that that i have tried something a little on the dirt just tester jokes basically Mm -hmm. because i i will often i'm a comedy fan i often know the material of the the other comics that i'm working with you know what i mean i'm not going to do a giant filthy joke before bringing up you know somebody who who does a lot of clean short stuff do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with clean. I'm not gonna do crowd work again. Before with someone who do, just wants to do their material and sure, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's about knowing, uh, you know, all those different things. But like you said, just it's sometimes sometimes still a crapshoot mm-hmm. of whether or not something's going to work or, or go well.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to explain that to people too. like that. Like you say, people people think it's easier than it is, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I had a friend who. Uh, watch me do a show and afterwards she's like why did you tell that joke when no one laughed at it and it's like oh, I because yeah, I, I i expected them to laugh at it <laughs> why well why but it but it wasn't funny because they didn't laugh at it so why would you think that well because usually it gets a laugh well why would it not get a laugh that time and and it's like and 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 then i totally blew her mind by explaining that comedians try out their new material on an open mic before and she's like well why do you do that and even Jerry Seinfeld. What?
0: Jerry Seinfeld tries material out? No, no, he just wakes up with pre-written... That's, yeah, people don't know things.
1: So, yeah, it's... um, it's, But, you know, I mean, I guess you, we don't know things when we start out too
0: no it's it, like in retail i i you know because i'm a canadian entertainer i work a lot of day jobs yes. and uh <laughs> there's there's a lot of people who will just get mad at customers i like, can't believe customers don't who doesn't know that I, I don't know everyone who doesn't spend 40 hours a week here for several years yeah. like those yeah i go you do this all the time of course this seems pedestrian and simple to you mm-hmm. understand when they walk in the door they don't they didn't study this it's their first time here or what have you yeah you know and it's the same thing with with comedy, everyone. It, what it looks like from the outside is just, yeah, they're just telling jokes. Can't All that stuff just came off the top of your head. Well, some of it, but some of it has been there before. And, and that's what the performance part is, is making it look like it was just off the top of your head.
1: Yeah. And in a sense, it's kind of our job to keep them ignorant of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. how the sausage is made.
0: <laughs> that is true. I People say all the time, like uh, – you know when people get frustrated like oh you stupid people like oh i love stupid people if everyone else was smart and funny on their own they wouldn't need us yeah you know so the less the less you know <laughs> about what's going on the more i can bring it to your attention in a comedic way yeah i guess so <laughs> who knows um but yeah the, the reason i asked all that is just like i said is is sometimes the the way a, a joke would like it's like when you're new right to come up with an idea for yourself because like i said you you do a lot of writing stuff now you write for you've been numerous times on the debaters mm-hmm. uh multiple festival appearances you've done halifax uh, mm-hmm. winnipeg yeah you mean you name it do you do you perform south of the border
1: no i i tried that uh years ago um before before google was a thing so okay so it was easier to slip across and try stuff out and i right, right. and it was good it was actually my big american breakthrough was in I mean it's not really a breakthrough but my sort of exciting experience was uh wisconsin okay appleton wisconsin i just uh i opened for somebody up in montreal and they said hey come with me to wisconsin and i was like yeah sure and um and it was this little town of appleton i'd never heard before had an awesome club and the the shows were great and i had a great time and i i um, and then I went back and I did that club again and then I, I added on a Milwaukee weekend to it too. So it was just kind of weird, but it was, it was fun. But again, I got, I was crazy, super paranoid about crossing the border when I wasn't, you know, supposed to be working. Yeah. And then, uh, and then over time, just, uh, I never did sort of any, get any paperwork done. And now it's, uh, yeah. So I, I never, I didn't really pursue that avenue, but, um, but the States was, uh, was cool, the times I've been there. I find when I go down to the United States, it's just, uh, I find as soon as they learn I'm from Canada, it's like Americans, it's like you all think that Canadians are these meek, apologetic people, and uh, it's a stereotype that offends me because um, it's also a stereotype to say you all think that. I shouldn't put it that way, I should say most of you. Most of you think that we're meek and apologetic, and um, I don't have the numbers to back that up. I can't say for sure it's a majority. I should really be saying a lot of you. Uh, A lot of you think that. um, It seems like a lot, anyway. It seems um, to me, which uh, is my perception, I'm probably oversensitive, but um, actually uh, probably a mistake to mention it, really. um, Yeah, I'll tell you what, if you don't think we're meek and apologetic, uh, I'm sorry I brought it up, really. Um, should, uh, my place a little better, yeah. Um, I've done a, you know, and I've tried that in stand-up in the UK as well and done some stuff there, and that's also very cool. And and my best, my my family, uh, I have family in Australia. Oh, very cool. My wife's Australian, so we actually go there, you know, every couple of years I'm down there. And I always try to get a stand-up gig in there and that's that's fun too it, it uh, you know i've had good experiences there but um but it's kind of it kind of feels weird when you know you're just a tourist uh, comedian right right um like it, you're not really part of it till you you know pack your bags and move down there and and get entrenched in the scene um but it is that's it's kind of a luxury just to show up out of nowhere and just uh, you know i walked into a bar in sydney and you know, nobody knew who i was and then i just went up and oh hey the jokes are good. And then you got the exotic Canadian accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You got the hook right there. Yeah. um, That's funny. So it's, it's kind of fun, but I've never, and now because I have a family and stuff and, and, and I don't really, I, I don't plan on being anything other than maybe a tourist in another country, you know, just trying out stuff and just, you know, for the experience. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't see, I don't know if, if, I don't know how the circumstances would allow it, but it would be cool to go to New York city and just like hunker down for a month or something and do, yeah, it. and
0: just do the rooms because they the
1: room. There's so many rooms and, and you know, I know people who go down there and just uh, get like 30 spots in a couple of weeks and just that, that would be cool to do. Um, but yeah, just time constraints. and the-
0: Well, yeah. And that's exactly it with, with the responsibilities. It does make it difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you're, you're, working a lot in Canada. A lot of people go down to the States because there's not, there isn't work here. You're one of the premier guys in Canada for.
1: Well, I kinda, I, it's, uh, I'm sort of at the, cause of family and the work. So I, I'm kinda, it's an, a bit of a luxurious, cause I don't, I don't work as hard as a lot of people. I, I might, the number of shows I do a year has like gone way down over the last few years um, because I'm, I'm busy like uh, watching uh, kids, uh, swimming lessons. (laughs) like That (laughs) That sounded creepier than I meant it to, but, uh, um, your kids.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) But, uh, but that, you know, so which I love, I just, I just love doing the domestic stuff. Um, once you crack 40, like the, the road is much less, uh, appealing glamorous. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but I'm, but I'm lucky that I, you know, works usually there when I need it. And, um, um, you know, and I, I don't want to take that for granted. I want, you know, keep, uh, you know, keep booking the absolute comedy clubs and stuff and just, just well, keep, keep, yeah, keep a little in the, in the public eye. So,
0: well, like I said, forgotten. I mean, I've, I've seen numerous places. I recognize your, your voice when I hear you on satellite radio and things like that. Like mm-hmm. I recognize it instantly. I, um, the, and the reason, like I said, I, I was talking about all this is just that it all comes back to that the idea right when you get the idea for for material or something like that because with the with a lot of the work that you're doing the debates, a lot of that is writing so comics who get an idea and just go to the stage with it and play around with it it makes it a lot more difficult for those kind of things for mm-hmm. for, for writing assignments mm-hmm. um so like you said you've kind of always been with you get the idea so what what how does your process start if you don't mind sharing yeah it's not not much
1: of a i mean it's not a consistent thing but um, yeah, if I get the idea, and it could pop in sometimes. It's, I just overhear a turn of phrase, or maybe I overhear that turn of phrase for like the tenth time, and it just right. starts really. Why is this a thing? Um, or you know, wherever the idea comes from, it, I usually, if if it starts sparking a few punchlines and stuff, if I find that I'm starting to mumble it and that the j- joke's forming, like where to go with it that's usually an exciting moment means okay i i've got something i've got something if i'm this if i'm this interested that i'm mumbling it now and, and start pacing and just how would i say it and i usually talk it out just to get an idea of how i would express it then i type it i got a computer file of just called jokes in progress and i just i type down the beats um as i'm sort of forming them and just just so I know because you forget
0: stuff. Right, oh back. god, yes,
2: yeah.
1: So I just just have those beats and then and then I just I try to get on and open my, you know, the next available one, you know, maybe say so say next week. And I just uh and then I, I take my little MP three recorder and I go and I If I've, I've set the, the beats aside, you know, on, I put, type them down. So they're there and I'm, I'm kind of secure. Once they're down, I'm kind of secure with that. And then the day of the open mic, I'll like go and look at them and I'll just start talking them out and. Like I was saying, you know, you want to get it right the first time so that you get the best shot at whether this joke works right. or not.
0: So you still, you are sort of talking, you're just talking it out with yourself as opposed to like, you're not, I, I've I've tried to be more disciplined where it's like, oh, I'll just try to type the joke out or mm-hmm. whatever. So there's beats, but like, you know, points you want to hit or whatever, but it's like, then I try typing it and I find that there's a lot lost when yeah. I type it, So you're still talking it out and kind of thing. And as you find something that you like, you put that beat into it as well. Kind of thing.
1: Yep. Yeah, because uh, yeah, just uh, usually, cause usually the punchline is the sort of comes quickest. That's that's in fact, so often you start with it. Like it just hits you. And I find the tricky part is the, this now you have to, how do I set it, set it up. And that's where, that's where you have the potential to like get a bit too wordy or a bit uh, talky and stuff. And so, So that's sort of I kind of put put down the beats of you know the punchline I want to get to and stuff. (coughs) Excuse me, but uh, um, but if I can like type out that it's the setup lines that I kind of study more. Like okay, how how can I say that quicker or how do I get to that? And then maybe I'll talk it out and just see how what phrasing comes naturally and then put that down. But those are so yeah, I find the setup is the tricky part of the seeds what seeds you need to plant and which you're kind of just uh, talking too much. And then I, uh, I'll say it on stage and I'll record it and I'll listen to it and I'll listen to where like, okay, I'm, I can hear, I can hear myself talking too much here. It's taken, this is taking too long to get to the thing. Yeah. Um, or you hear, you know, a setup line that gets a laugh that you weren't expecting and like, okay, what was funny? That wasn't meant to be funny, but they laughed. So there's something there too suddenly and now it's becoming denser and um yeah and and so i'll listen to that and you know uh success rate of open mic jokes is is pretty low so you right so um but if i hear something that didn't go great but there were a couple of laughs in the setup or the premise gets a big laugh but the sort of the joke peters out i'll just kind of keep those uh keep those in the wings but and if i'm sort of want to revisit stuff i'll go back and like take another crack at it um but yeah so it's and just over time it kind of adds up to a little new bit here a little new bit there
0: that's very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Like, I mean, again, I I, I know people have different styles, so I I don't know. It, it fills me with hope the idea that someone you know, like yourself, like I said, it was a great writer. I'm definitely kissing your ass a lot, but I I have so much. Uh, I dude, you have some of the best best bits I've I've ever heard that I reference. I don't know about you, but I I typically in conversation just if some if I I feel like comics have said things best mm-hmm. in a lot of different things. But I've I've quoted some of your stuff because just just very very poignant. Um but, uh, to, like I said, cause, cause of, because of all the writing stuff that you do, like the debaters is, is a difficult? I would imagine. At least, at least for me, I've, I've done a show where someone wanted something similar to the debaters. Now mm-hmm. they also only gave us a week to write something. Yeah. Yeah. On it, which was brutal. And we had no experience doing writing. So, yeah. so just, I guess the, the task of saying, here's a subject and you need to write what, what is it? They need, they want it, 40 minutes or something on for it? the debaters. For the debaters. Oh, yeah.
1: no, no. It's, it's short. That's the, a- really. And that's kind of fun because you they sort of give you the topic and you kind of think like oh man how am i gonna how am i gonna milk this or you know mine this for jokes and then you sort of you sit down but the opening argument's two minutes long
0: okay fair enough
1: and it's like so you get you know okay you get a third idea a fourth idea you're like okay you start Typing and then suddenly they sort of give you a word count when they assign it to you. Okay, so I look at the computer and I'm like, oh my god, I'm there. Like, and then you look back and realize, oh man, this this sucks though. So yeah, <laughs> I got there too quick. Like I no no I gotta go back. But um, yeah, it's funny because it's always it's always like, you know, oh god, how am I gonna do this? And then you sit down, and it's like, oh oh my god, how am I gonna? edit this now suddenly
0: yeah well that's a i mean that's a better problem to have than yeah then what do i what do i have to disable i've i've for anyone who doesn't know of course because we have listeners all over the planet um the debaters is a is a radio show where two comedians will argue a topic and i've i've heard all sorts of different ones i actually was mm-hmm. not I, I was familiar with the show i only started listening to it a couple of years ago because they're now all available on itunes mm-hmm. to listen to so listening to the show, I'm like, wow! I can only just if if that assignment was to was to ever come, uh, you know, onto my table, I'd be like, it would feel overwhelming. Yeah. So, like I said, it's nice to hear that the process can be simple. as just just you know, think of just the idea and start small and let it sort of spiderweb yeah, out yeah. from there, and, and then and then reduce as necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that's 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 great. How did you? Let's let's start with that. How did you get started? Is the debaters is not the only thing that you've written for, correct?
1: Uh, yeah well I, I've uh done I don't have a lot of experience but I have a little experience with a couple of episodic things like I've worked for IFC and on stuff they've done but most of the writing I do is like it's kind of for in a way it's it's not very glamorous stuff but it's sort of if you see sort of just for laugh specials with you know bumpers between clips and stuff like it's I get a lot of that sort of stuff and um you know i've I've written some jokes for people uh at the the galas and stuff my favorite one is uh i got to uh, write jokes for triumph the insult comic oh doll. really very cool and that was uh i think that that's my personal highlight of, of just uh yeah just throwing uh, jokes it's robert smigel who does the little the triumph puppet and uh um that that was my favorite one of just it was for the 30th anniversary so it was called the uh, just for laughs triple x nasty show <laughs> so they got uh, triumph to go up and just just slam canada he was going sort of province by province and um and that was a good one like you just you know throw a lot of jokes at him and because it was nasty you could like really have fun oh, absolutely. with it and um and i uh, yeah that that was that was where yeah i was backstage when it was triumph's turn and just uh that you know that when the you know the opening you know got a you know the theater is booming and you're like all right this that's uh that that feels good you know? yeah
0: and that's your joke right like you yeah the joke throw it out there it works it's like yeah. oh, that's great
1: and it's being delivered by triumph so it's yeah just, uh, <laughs> that's so cool i think uh yeah what i'm trying to think of what that like that opening joke was just like uh now i'm gonna butcher it but it's it's uh yeah schwartz schwartz's smoked meat in montreal like uh Celine Dion just bought Schwartz's, and well, <laughs> well, I guess she's she's used to s- smoking meat that's a century old or something, oh, something funny. like that. Yeah, yeah, but delivered by a dog. Uh, you know, Triumph, so it, <laughs> it it worked, but it uh, you know for the Montreal crowd it kind of blew up and and but and that yeah, and then there were you know a bunch of jokes like that that were just uh, that's awesome, just fun. So that yeah, so I get so that's sort of the nature, of just little little things like that that uh you know if you're lucky they kind of add up to give some income in there
0: <laughs> yeah well it's like like uh, do you remember how old you were when you started stand up comedy yeah just yeah. To, just to just
1: to put a the first time i, I jumped on stage after you know that when paul Ash sort of said you want to try it so i was uh, about 25 and then um and then by the time i was back in montreal i was 26 and i uh um. Did that open mic and then, that's it. Then the, the, the train started going every every week. I was getting stage time somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. For, so kind of twenty six is when it began in earnest.
0: So when and I only ask only just to to put a a frame on it is is you're twenty six doing stand up comedy. You're back in Montreal. How long before you started going out on the road?
1: Uh, about two years in. I'd say. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um uh and that was uh through uh back then I was with Yak Yuck, Yuck, so I was I was like they and they would yeah, they had a lot of road work and stuff. And yeah. so
0: were they in Montreal at the time? No. No, okay. So
1: so that was it was like a, a lot of people in Montreal, so sort of Ottawa was a bit of the gateway. Right. Um so uh yeah, so that's and uh yuck yes. this was before absolute comedy didn't exist back then no of course not so it was so yuck Yucks was the game in town and uh and yeah so we could get get sort of in with that club and then branch out a bit there and then uh it was like two years in i did my first western swing wow which was pretty uh yeah that was cool like a, so that was four weeks that you they sort of you you land in alberta and you set up your little camp at the blackfoot hotel and then then you get sent out on your 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 missions here <laughs> and my first uh my first uh road gig was with daryl mack opening for him um in williams lake british columbia and um so here i was i was i was doing well for myself in montreal you know the big city and i, I get in front of this williams lake uh, logging audience pretty much and, uh, I was just, I was just with Terrell in Kingston. So this is fresh in my mind because we were laughing about this. I was just going up and like throwing in my, my observational humor <laughs> on Greek mythology and the Cyclops <laughs> 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 and just bombing horrifically.
0: That's funny. And, uh, a lot of new people don't think of that. Like, like, oh, is this is this joke about the Montreal metro system going to work <laughs> yeah, in, in the yeah, middle yeah. of Alberta?
1: Oh well, yeah. No, I knew enough not to make Montreal jokes, right? Of course. So I went the universal tack of Greek mythology instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were laughing about that. It was, it was the bit was how how do Cyclopses wink? And, <laughs> and was, I'm doing the act out, and they're all just staring at me. And, just that's still funny a, it was a horror show
0: I the reason I brought it up just because you'll hear guys that, that that'll travel and they'll do you know their their local references and so even regardless of the fact that of course you would know by then not to to do the local reference stuff yeah it's it is different how like you know culturally things are different in, in other areas right yeah, when we're in yeah. big cities it's it's funny I've done shows forty minutes outside of Ottawa where the things people say to you after a show it's so the opposite of progressive or or Mm -hmm. things like that. And you're Mm -hmm. like, people act like, oh, we're in Canada. We don't have that. It's like, no, all that stuff exists everywhere. And you'd be surprised how, you know, your progressive joke about the current cultural climate is so not what anyone in your your small town bar is interested in in you talking about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I do love that it's, it's still funny though, even though it's Greek mythology, it's a simple concept. How does a cyclops wink? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You've got, you've also got some really good bits because like, so I, I, one of my favorite bits that you do, and I'm going to, I'm going to play it here uh, shortly. Uh, Luckily we don't have to go anywhere. We just do through the magic of editing, but you had a bit that I heard you do some time back. And I, I still, every time you tell that joke, I listen and I'm, I'm in awe of just, just the writing. Cause that one had to have been written. There's no Mm -hmm. way that you just, but um, it's a, you always start by asking, uh, you know who played uh hawkeye or what is it hawkeye yeah yeah in mash In Mash, yes very important <laughs> to the joke um but i'll I'll play that for you guys you guys have to hear it it's just uh but it's a great just just joke on language yeah and it always makes me think of george carlin too because carlin was so big on language so many of his big long bits were just strictly based on language that, yeah all everything else was was outside of that so uh, i'm i'm gonna play that uh you know, with you guys, is there anything that, I mean, not that it's necessary, but is there anything that you'd want to say about the joke prior to them hearing it? Just,
2: or?
0: uh,
1: I think it started out as just a quick joke about Hawkeye in mash versus Hawkeye on mash.
0: Yeah. And then just the rest of the and fascination. Then I just thought,
1: yeah. And then I just thought, yeah, there's what other examples are there. And then just started writing down little, little phrases, little turns of phrase. just like, you know, in, I can't remember things, ex- you know, in uh you know in reruns on cable oh yeah and and then I, yeah spaced it out so that the, the prepositions alternated and a little story for that's
0: oh and it's great so i'm gonna i'm gonna play that for you guys now so i hope you guys i'll actually yeah i'll, I'll play that part i'll uh I'll edit it down because you got the, the whole clip of the gala. So I might, I might pepper in some other stuff in there, but I want you guys to hear this joke just to give you an idea of how, uh, how great a writer David is. But,
1: uh, English is complicated, not just because of the spelling, but just all the little grammatical details. Like, uh, let me try something. If I were to ask you, the audience, to name for me the actor who played the character of Captain Hawkeye Pierce in M.A.S.H., your answer would probably be Alan Alda is what most of you would say, and technically you would be wrong because Alan Alda played Hawkeye on M.A.S.H., the TV show, whereas the question was in M.A.S.H., which suggests a movie. Just Donald Sutherland, totally different answer. See, this is why people find English a hard language to learn. It's tricky to know where to put the ins and the ons. Think about it, if you're on a giant screen, that means you're in a movie. If you're in a tiny box, you're on TV. (laughs) It's very confusing. You can actually trace a whole show business career just using ins and ons. Say you have a young actor, he's starting out small, starting out in commercials, maybe on an infomercial, then one day he nails an audition so he's in luck, because he's on a TV show. (laughs) Maybe one you can catch in reruns on cable. Another lucky break, now he's in a film, one you can rent on video. More and more this guy's name is showing up in print, he's on the news, he's getting discussed in chat rooms, on the internet. Pretty soon he's running with the in crowd, he's on the A-list, in Hollywood, on Broadway. Rumors are circulating, placing him in a motel room on a prostitute. (laughs) Well, in a prostitute. Next thing you know, he's in custody, on trial, in jail, out on bail, and in rehab. So now he's on Oprah, (laughs) in tears, going on about his life story, which is now in a TV movie on the Fox network, in a cautionary tale on the dangers of drug addiction where his character is saved by the intervention of a doctor played by D- Arnold Sutherland. the guy played Hawkeye in MASH. That's it. Thanks for letting me go on. Thank you.
0: And we're back. So there you go. There's a nice piece of, uh, just a nice little sample of, of some of the amazing writing. Um, also going back to the, just the going out in the road, the reason I wanted to, to sort of give some context to that is because with, with a lot of my guests, I always ask, um it's great when we have the successes like obviously the stories that you had did you ever have any you know moments of doubt or or low points in the career where you're just like i i, I can't do this or um
1: yeah I, I well absolutely like the low points all over the place um i don't know if i was ever tempted to quit but i've had definitely had different things about how how badly do i want this sort of thing yeah um but um but yeah, oh no, there's there's certainly bombs. I think we all have like yeah. a top ten or a <laughs> bottom ten shows in our lives that still like haunt us. Or uh, um, I guess I, I've got maybe a top five. Luckily, luckily time actually does erase a lot of them. Right. But there's still a couple that are just like uh, just one was a, a head a very early headline set where I just uh, um yeah just. Made a, a very rookie mistake of just, uh, um, hey, I'm gonna riff for the first couple of minutes. <laughs> I, I managed to like insult someone who I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Tried to come back with another, well, this insult will win them back. And you no, know, and sort of dug a hole in like the first, and I only had to do 30 minutes, but it was like 28 minutes of just pain because they just, uh, and the, and and the tragedy was uh, that the show had been going great. So I was the one that completely poisoned the well and I was the last guy up and yeah and and, um, and even that, I mean that was just a it was just miserable. But even that, I took a little bit of consolation when I went home feeling horrible about it. The cons- the two points of consolation was that I finished the set, so I did the professional thing, planted my feet, so was up there for the 30 minutes mm-hmm. just took just went through the misery so i could get paid right you know um and the other consolation was that one guy was laughing at, there was some guy off to the left who was laughing at every joke <laughs> and i said so okay so i'm i'm still telling i'm still delivering these jokes sir i'm, I'm getting the jokes right they yep. they make sense it's just they all hate me <laughs> but that was part of the professional and so i'm not and i, I kind of gave myself a little eaty bit of credit for like i didn't i didn't bail i didn't i just planted my feet and
0: that's a good balance because i could tell you for the amount of comics who will have great shows and focus on the one thing that <laughs> wasn't going well it's nice to have a bad show and you're focusing on the things that did yeah it's a yeah, nice yeah. counterbalance to that
1: but uh but yeah that that one uh yeah. That one still, still bugs me. Um, and there are a couple, one of my Western swings, I did have like a couple or even on the road, a couple of times when you just have back to back bad shows and, and you're just, Oh, what a, you know, you need to have that. What am I doing? But, um, it's nice though. Cause I mean, so it's what's good is that, you know, the next show is only a few days away or sometimes it's the next night or whatever.
0: Yeah. Or in an hour. Lauren yeah uh, two show night at a club you're like oh god i can't uh, wait to get Yeah that.
1: sometimes that's not enough to scrub it clean like the, <laughs> um but um well even that that bad show where i i alienated the audience or whatever like that weekend i was in kingston opening for Sean majumder for a weekend Oh very cool and and yeah and that was that was great and i kind of knew like okay this will make me feel better it didn't totally work i still went home and Immediately thought of the crappy show that I did last week, <laughs> but um, but yeah, you can sort of scrub these things, and 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 I th- it is important to just to f- try to pick out something positive and sort of hold on to that. Yeah,
0: and, uh, it's easy to sink. You know, if if you have something goes wrong, it's easy to, to like you said hold on to it and just. Ugh. But we do obviously learn more from the the bad shows than the good ones. I guess
1: so. Yeah. I mean,
0: well, I. They say what is it failure is the best teacher or whatever it is
1: i guess it is i've I've definitely had failures that have that have triggered a, a an epiphany that then helped me afterwards um i've had i had a bad show where um yeah i uh i think i the show the set was going well but then i threw in a couple of new things and they they didn't work and then i started to show you know my confidence was dropping and the audience smelled that and then it kind of unraveled people started to get chatty a bit and I was trying to bring them back and it, and what was interesting was that I was focused on on pounding out the jokes to bring them back that I was starting to lose connection with what was happening sort of seeing the unraveling and I, and I kind of went away thinking you know that was that was unfortunate that I I panicked and I just I just sort of clamped down on I'll do these jokes and bring them back instead of addressing what was happening. Right. And and the thing and that was another one I hated and I still hate that show. That one's still in my memory. <laughs> um, but the thing I took from that is from then on it was like don't don't be too precious with with the set list um be in the moment yeah be out. present yeah and i sort of decided then you know what it's and that night i saw you know what i don't want to be the funniest comedian anymore i i'm from now on my goal is to be the most comfortable comedian uh on the stage and just <laughs> go up there and just no matter what's happening just just like yeah this happens all the time it's all right like everyone just relax i'm going to do another joke now yeah and uh and if there's something there you just and and by not being precious with the joke it means not being afraid to just let the joke go and go and put out a fire in the corner yeah and um and then i remember and then the shows i did after that i started adopting that and the first time i had like a chatty show or something coming up and i just like you know just time out everyone what what's going on and just boom 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 and and suddenly you're sort of you, you you look like you're in control
0: yeah you're herding the cattle so to speak and and roping the cows back into the yeah. the corral
1: and that uh and so from that again that was a failure that ended up leading to uh a lot yeah a lot of good um cuz to this day I I still you know you'll have you still have your bad shows but but um but you don't uh you don't worry as much about them that's one good thing I find about stand-up is you do bounce back from the failures faster because you've experienced so many yeah by this point that you know like no but I'm still here so clearly I've survived that so yeah yeah so the next one that hits you you're like ah <laughs> I suck but it's I've sucked before
0: <laughs> a lot of comedic scar tissue <laughs> yeah but it's thicker it's, it's thicker <laughs> thicker calluses
1: um yeah yeah so it's uh so yeah, you, yeah, you, but you get yeah, you get low points, and they're di- it's funny because it's different too. Your your definition of a bomb becomes, you know, you you're a little bit, uh, you're both at the same time. You're a little easier on yourself because you know it can bounce back, but you're also harder on yourself because your standards of what a good show is is better, and and you often you'll you'll have a okay show, but suddenly an okay show feels like a bomb whereas right in your first five years you would have thought that was did you just see me talk for 40 <laughs> minutes straight
0: it's like relationships you know you have your heart broken at first and it feels like the worst thing in the world And then just the, the more relationships you come yeah, and yeah. go through you're like all right it still hurts but i know i'm gonna be alive yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah sort of like and the that. peck
0: on the cheek <laughs> when you're young feels like the greatest thing yeah yeah and then you're like that's it that's it that's all i got yeah. <laughs> the amount of money and time I spent on this.
1: <laughs> I've been, uh, been trying to eat better. I've been eating lots of tuna lately. And uh, yeah, because things are going great. Uh, no, just uh, you notice the big sales pitch of tuna now is that it's dolphin friendly That's what it'll say on the can, that no dolphins were harmed And I don't understand why we care so much about the senseless death of dolphins When clearly nobody gives a crap about the senseless death of tuna <laughs> we, we slaughter millions of them and for what? Nobody likes to eat it <laughs> Nobody, no, no one here likes to eat t- What we like is an excuse to eat mayonnaise That's all it is. Tuna, it's just a condiment enabler. (laughs) You know, it's it's bad enough though that we kill all the tuna, but then to suck up to the dolphin right on the can where you're stuffing in the dead tuna, that's just, that's disrespectful to the tuna. (laughs) That's like murdering someone, going to the funeral, and giving a eulogy where you go on about some guy you liked way better than the dead person. I want to see that we're here today to honor jim what can i say he was no chris
0: <laughs> we were chatting about this before the podcast so i'm trying to find a way to have some fun and bring us into it is uh you're a comic book fan yeah how long have you been into comic books because i'm new to it in the last few years i've been really getting into it
1: yeah i uh i uh i guess the 80s like uh uh you know my my older brother you know collected in the 70s and i got addicted to his stuff and then in the, like around 1980 i started becoming buying my own stuff and becoming a collector so yeah
0: so, so you have a collection at home
1: oh yeah yeah i got thousands at home oh wow um but uh but yeah i just we were talking before about how it's sort of generation where i don't really today the the, the movie comic book universe i Sort of, I'm I'm kind of this snob. That's kind of like, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's good, but I got that's what got me. Like, I I grew up watching. I watched the old what was it, '60s or '70s Spider-Man cartoon, yeah, yeah. which watching it now is is so hard to watch. It's so oh, bad. It's
1: great, no, it's
0: hilarious. <laughs> I uh, I maybe it is. I just can't watch it. Then again, I've got. I mean, Jay refuses to watch King of the Hill because he says the animation is shitty. I'm like, that's a great show. Yeah, King of the Hill yeah. is hysterical. Um. But I can see that maybe maybe it's just the animation alone that's that's turned me off of it. Mm-hmm. But I I watched that cartoon. I watched the '90s Spider-Man cartoon, which was really good. Yeah. Um. You know, very dabbled in it. So I I knew who the characters were from the cartoons, mm-hmm. and I also was purchasing comic books when I was young, never reading them, just buying them. I remember I went to garage sales, and you'd find these big boxes of comics. So I would have like, you know, a Spider-Man issue that was like issue five of seven and that's all I had from that yeah. storyline. So yeah. I think there was no incentive to start a series that I couldn't finish. And I couldn't afford to buy comics when I was young, mm-hmm. couldn't afford to buy them. So I mm-hmm. was absorbing the cartoons and stuff. So when the, the movies started coming out, when the Iron Man, I guess the first part of the Marvel cinematic universe came out, I was really enjoying that cause I wasn't super familiar with, with Iron mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, in watching all of these movies and being around so many comedians, I've said on the podcast before that there's two things that like almost all comedians seem to be interested in that seems to be wrestling and... Uh and and comic books Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'd be sitting in the green room talking about hey i just saw the such and such movie and i thought like wasn't it great winter soldier or something Mm -hmm. and and you know i remember like mark scalia was was sitting with me and he was like oh no you gotta this this is from that 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 scene that you're talking about that doesn't make sense that's because this is this and this is that and like Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. what, what are we 2018 black panther just came out and in like 2015 Art ultron ripped off claw's arm which looked like yeah, just a little yeah. throwaway scene oh, I in the knew movie. What was coming. Well, that's what I'm saying, but yeah, that's yeah. a lot of people knew that. And I just thought, oh, this is just a thing that's happening. Just got mad, ripped some random, no nonsense character, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And but it's like, no, but that's a direct, like that's a that little thing in that one movie is setting up something over here that yeah. you won't be aware of for three years or whatever. And just like little things like that, that that are going on in these movies. So, I think. From what people have told me, that's one of the reasons that they're very successful is that they, as much as they're different, t- like the the story is slightly different or, mm-hmm. or kind of or, or vastly different, um, they are doing a lot of nod to the actual source material as opposed to just going, "Here's characters that were in comic book. Let's just go write a new story and, mm-hmm, and make mm-hmm. it up." Because a lot of the ones, the Spider Man and and Daredevil and Fantastic Four and all these movies that were coming out before, you know, Disney bought Marvel and said, "Well, let's let's do it ourselves." Yeah, yeah. Were kind of like they were fun, but they were you know they were they were surf,
1: little... scratch on the surface and, yeah and getting little things wrong just to because it played better on screen and yeah 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 it's
0: uh it's cool to see them doing like this is the first time that it's almost like a TV series on the screen on the, because yeah. they're like twenty movies deep and it's like you know the characters you don't have to do an origin story every movie like and, and they're still putting effort and time into introducing new characters and turning th- it kind of feels like the walking dead because there's new characters being introduced all the time and yeah. you know that you know contracts are expiring so <laughs> yeah. certain people are gonna have to go but so you used to read uh read the comics back in the day yeah did you have a preference to marvel or dc yeah i
1: was, I was a marvel guy yeah uh x-men and daredevil were were the ultimate uh thing and uh and um but right around like nineteen eighty six, uh I don't know comic book fans know like that was like a, a a watershed year for like when, you know, a couple of big artists like left Marvel and started doing DC stuff. So Batman, uh you know, Frank Miller was doing the best Daredevil run ever. He switched over and started taking over Batman and it was like, Oh my god, like I was one of me who just flocked over there. To watch that and that's where like batman begins and stuff is a lot of that uh, influence comes from the christopher nolan stuff basically um and uh and john Byrne was uh, killing it on fantastic four and i was an alpha flight fan the canadian superheroes and then he moved over and took over superman so
0: oh wow they got a lot of big artists doing this yeah stuff yeah there.
1: and so and then I, so yeah in the mid that time I went over to, to D.C. and discovered – and that's when all these weird, crazy stuff like Watchmen was coming out. Right. V for is, Vendetta was coming is out. Is that Frank Miller? No, that's Alan Moore.
0: Okay, okay.
1: And if you don't know Alan Moore, it's because he pretty much took – has taken his name off of everything because he just – I don't know, like it's simplistic, but he, he hates uh, that they're making movies out of his work like D.C. Oh, I see. Uh, because they kind of sh- shafted him on on royalties and stuff for like – print runs and stuff like that.
0: There's a lot of that, my, my understanding, like I've seen a lot of things where it's like somebody got screwed on something. So they don't want to be associated or they, they left. Like I know Todd McFarland is responsible for kind of uh, the, the Spider-Man spaghetti webbing, I think he calls yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before it would just be like this two dimensional web that would shoot out of it, but then he made it so that it could sort of fly towards the camera or, or yeah. the, the lens sort of thing. But he, he. And he was also the first guy who like contorted Spider-Man yeah. where he would sort of kick his legs up over his head. And was yeah, very, yeah. Cause he's like, yeah, he's like a spider. So he, he created venom and stuff, but, but Todd McFarlane left Marvel. Yeah. Right. And created Spawn. Yeah. And
1: Spawn was his creator owned thing. So that was, that was uh, yeah, that was in the nineties. So that's, uh, that's when people, yeah, people were starting to sort of see the whole, like the corporate, you know, wanting to break free of the corporate masters that right. you created a character for Marvel or DC and they owned it and then they could do whatever they want with it. And, uh, and so people start, yeah, moving. moving yeah. If I'm going to create
0: something cause he created venom, right? Yeah. And venom is a very cool character getting his own movie this year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just, you look at something like that. Now, Spawn looks very, very close to Venom. Yeah. To me. And this is, I'm sorry, I probably lost a lot of people who are like, what the fuck are they talking about? Comic book stuff. All right. Fast forward, maybe. <laughs> we'll find but I love this stuff. Yeah. It, it was interesting. And this, I guess, it's, it's the same sort of creative, you know, things that we're under. A lot of times, too, you'll, if you do a special for somebody, right, and you record the special, mm-hmm. they own that special now. They can play it. And there's yeah, no, yeah. there's, I mean, well, have you done, okay, so speaking of that, comedy now? Yeah. Have you done one of those? Yeah, yeah. So, did you do the hour or the half hour?
1: I think there's two versions out there. I actually oh, really? don't even know. Definitely a half hour aired, but but they there might be a because I recorded. I, I think it was about a 45 minute recording. So I think they could you know with commercials and stuff stretch that. I, I think somebody said they have seen the hour, but uh, but anyway, I, but but there's some there's something out there
0: yeah it's, and they yeah. don't pay royalties every time they play it right no
1: they, they pay it like every four years or something oh they, really they okay. throw a check at you but it, it's it's quite small and you kind of think like okay
0: what's the well, point <laughs> I've,
1: been, I've been waiting for this so, okay, yeah
0: exactly well so to sort of bring it back to the comic thing that's you know if you create something for somebody else even though it was your creation like the material whatever mm-hmm. they can play with it and use it however they want and
1: yeah yeah well yeah and it's stuff like wolverine right the, the guy you know uh um he was created in 1974 by like len ween was the writer and uh you know john ramita and was the artist who designed him and uh herb trimpey was the guy who first put him in a comic fighting the hulk yeah um I first think issue him.
0: 174 if i'm not mistaken. 181 <laughs> 181 god damn it i was close yeah <laughs> shit not close enough though
1: no no but uh, yeah, and that's and that's that's another case where like you know it, I think Len Wein was invited to the premiere of you know Wolverine Origins or whatever or one of the X Men's and yeah and uh, I've I've just read a quote I think he passed away actually recently but he yeah one of his quotes was like like you know Hugh Jackman at the premiere like they took photo op with him and like this is the guy this is the reason I have an acting career and stuff so he was yeah. getting recognition but he got no money for like this is you know these multi-million dollar movies and and his like quote was like yeah it was nice to have the recognition would have preferred a check though yeah (laughs) and you know marvel and dc are full of tons of stories like that
0: oh absolutely you well you hear them all the time that's there's uh same thing with um uh disney and and lucas films and all that like mm-hmm. if they have tons of interns who are thrilled to be a part of these giant things but it's but you sign agreements that as soon as you do an, an internship whatever anything that you create whether it be for them or on your own in that time period mm-hmm. belongs to them mm-hmm. so th- that's 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 evil <laughs> mm-hmm. but you 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 see that stuff all the time where it's just you know oh it's, it's great to be a part of this but i'm creating so todd todd mcfarland is one of those stories i've heard countless things but a lot of people don't like that guy um apparently he's not very friendly well I, how the fuck would i know I, I haven't met him but um it's just i know i, I bring up his name in, in conversation with the comic yeah. people, are like uh, the word often
1: uses cocky like he's yes like, okay yeah, yeah.
0: so he's, he's yeah and i i get that I've, I've watched his little uh facebook videos where it shows him how to draw things and create perspective they're, they're interesting mm-hmm. but uh yeah so he left and he created image right yeah. is they're his company and they do yeah they're the ones that do walking dead and, and yeah. spawn and all. it that was stuff.
1: him and about f- about five other artists Oh, all, really? okay. and they all left marvel all at the same time and they were all like the hottest artists at marvel so it was uh it was a big uh it was a big statement and it was a big that was in like 1992 that the image comics started coming out but it was it was a crazy like scandalous uh up, sort of a, an artist uprising.
0: It's very cool that they all did that, too, because nowadays, if you tried to get a bunch of people to, to rally up and leave together, they'd be like, sure, sure. And then you make your statement. Everyone's yeah, yeah. at their cubicles with their head down. You're like, oh, fuck.
1: I'd recommend because uh, after on AMC, they've been playing Robert Kirkman, who created The Walking Dead, as and he that's one of Image's comics. Um, but there's a series uh, on AMC called the Secret. S- the Secret History of Comics, and they devoted a whole episode to this Image Comics thing, uh, the, uh, how they all left and stuff. And it's good. That, I really like that series, especially the ones – they also have one all about Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster creating Superman and them getting screwed over, and it's the whole story about them. They have another <laughs> one, Stanley and Jack Kirby's partnership, who pretty much created 98% of the Marvel Universe – and how their difficulty and Jack Kirby getting screwed out of stuff, and um, you know the debate of whether Stanley took too much credit, and and right. Um, so anyway, so if if you're at all interested in those sorts of little scandals, they're very entertaining. They're packaged really well.
0: They sound nice. They'll probably end up. Well, hopefully they'll end up on Netflix. A lot of the stuff that it, that's on AMC is there, so mm-hmm. maybe I can Google it and see if it's 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 new as of like what last year, right? This yeah, it's a very
1: recent series. Yeah but uh but it's but and there's but there's also like two sides to all these stories because like the the uprising on the one hand it's cool that they took control on the other hand you hear the other side of the story where they they bailed on all these comics um you know at the time they were the artists on spider-man on x-men x-men spin-offs so all the major selling titles and it was a, a big impact that they left all the best-selling titles that really screwed Marvel over, which in the, in a sense was like a you know fighting the man. But then on the more human side of it, there are all these writers and people that were working with them, their collaborators, who were utterly like shafted because yeah. suddenly, you know, mid storyline they were getting things, and also a lot of these creators had kind of. Uh, in a way, they they totally appropriated these series, so they kind of sent them off in these new directions and reinvented X Men or Spider Man, and then they bailed, and it was like they kind of left a bit of a mess in their wake. Yeah, which was you know cool in the sense of yeah screw Marvel, but it it shafted a lot of low level people struggling to you write you, these you'd things. You think and that they would take things.
0: them with them, you know, if possible? Yeah, just so, like hey, why don't you, could you come with us? But they're like nah. We're the rock stars the, yeah, the yeah. artists? Is that okay? So there's something interesting to talk about. Is the is that is that sort of how it is in the comic world? Are, are the artists, the, the the more leading men are they the the lead guitarist vocals?
1: No, it seems to change from time to time. Like the Alan Moore who I mentioned who wrote Watchmen and uh, V for Vendetta. Like he's he's a rock star. Rock star. He's he's considered the best writer of the medium ever, uh, certainly for like mainstream stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's this whole British, you know, in the late eighties, that the DC star bring in these British writers and those are rock stars. Like they, that's where you get Neil Gaiman, who's famous for Sandman. But as since, you know, he's, he does novels and movies now and he's just an amazing writer. Um, if you saw like movies like Stardust or Coraline or stuff like that. Oh,
0: okay. Okay.
1: Um, he's created amazing stuff. Those are um, all
0: graphic novels first
1: uh no those ones are novels first but uh, oh, okay I see, I see like he's gone he's gone into now he does novels and short stories. i see he
0: was doing stuff for dc and as since they've since moved on a ton yeah things. yeah okay.
1: grant morrison's another one if, if you saw the show happy that was based on his uh his thing garth ennis the preacher okay um yeah, yeah. So a bunch of so so. Yeah, it depends on who you talk to. Whether I'm I'm personally more of a writer guy. I, I follow writers more than I follow artists, um, just because yeah. the stories they do are.
0: Well, we were talking about Frank Miller before, which and funny enough that we were talking about Wolverine as well. Uh, the very popular, I think, the first Wolverine mini series. Sort of mini was Frank Miller who did the the art for that, right? Yeah, and
1: Chris Claremont who did the X Men was writing. Right. Um, but Frank Miller is interesting because he was a writer and an artist.
0: That's what I was going to ask. Cause I thought there was some stuff that was written by D- Frank.
1: Miller. Daredevil wrote, he started as artist on Daredevil and then he took over the writing as well. And as a writer artist, he was amazing. And I, I, I love his writing and he is since has done a lot of projects where he's just the writer on it. Um, And I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's all the eighties, uh, his stuff was amazing. When he went over to Batman, he took over the writing and, and the, the art on, it. on Batman, the dark Knight returns. That was the crazy, uh, yeah. Dystopian future where Batman's retired, but it's all fallen
0: apart. So he has to come out of retirement and just, that's what they tried to do for the dark Knight rises. Yes. Right? Was the, the, the Batman, Batman versus Superman
1: back. was very much uh, inspired by a Frank Miller fight oh, okay. that he <laughs> uh, chronicled. Well, that um, movie was terrible. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> batman, all i know of but batman movie. begins was more based on year one which he wrote but another guy david mazichelli i think is how he pronounce his name but he did the art on that but that's and that's dark knight returns and and batman year one are like considered t- two of the greatest batman stories of all time and they're both frank miller um and they're both after he split daredevil after doing the best daredevil stories of all time which a lot of the Netflix series is based on. Really? Electra.
0: Oh, the Kingpin. And that's all all the Frank Miller time. Okay. Yeah. Because I know that Kingpin is like, that's, that's Daredevil's arch arch nemesis, right?
1: He was a Spider-Man villain. Like he, way at the beginning, Stan Lee and John Romita created him for Spider-Man. And he was sort of a, you know, pretty major Spider-Man villain. But then when Frank Miller took over Daredevil, he's like, he like, Borrowed Kingpin for Daredevil, and immediately that was just crazy. Good, good chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, crazy arch nemeses, and, and it was, uh, yeah, it's amazing. So much I don't understand, though. I'm always doubting myself, too, and I hate doubt. It's my least favorite emotion. You know, even just the word doubt, because you notice it's spelled with a B. There's a silent B in doubt. That just messes with your head. <laughs> that actually makes you experience the emotion you're trying to spell. I don't know about this B. I'm not sure of anything. It'd be cool if there were more words like that, though, where the spelling indicated the meaning. You know, like if you're spelling random, just throw an X in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, You can spell stutter with like seven T's in a row. Stutter orgasm you could spell o r o g o a o s o m m m m m unless you're a guy then you'd spell it o
0: I, when I, this is okay So I, I tried to get into comic books maybe anyone else is interested in just sort of seeing where some of these characters come from whatever I walked into like the comic book shop and I was like, Hey, don't know anything about comics, mm-hmm. would love to get into it. I go, but where, where do you start? yeah Cause I'm like, everything feels like it's a reference to something else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one person, this is what, this is what the person suggests me, well, I, I want to get into comic books and I like Spider-Man. He's my, I think he's my, my, my favorite. So mm-hmm. where do I start? And they're like, okay, well you just start over here. And the person dragged me over. And they're like, you want to start with this series? And it was a series where uh, Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus switched bodies right, yeah, or yeah. something. And I was like, how the fuck are you going to tell me to start with this? Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm looking at the cover. <laughs> this is my stupid boy brain. I'm looking at the cover, and it's like, yeah, Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus switch bodies or whatever. And I was like, well, the first thing I would do is that guy go sleep with his girlfriend. <laughs> If I'm if I'm which, now in his body, Which he tries to do, right? <laughs> yeah, I flipped over the back of the cover and it was Spider-Man aggressively kissing Mary Jane. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah, he's got the idea right there. Yeah, yeah. But I just I remember going like, if I'm trying to get into comic books, how am I going to? St- the best place to start is when the guy I'm trying to read about isn't the guy I'm trying to read about. Yeah, like, yeah. And that I found that a lot of people's suggestions were just like, it's oh, you got to start with this series. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense either. So I, I remember at one point, someone finally, this is not the same visit, this is multiple times going like how, I guess I just have to go back to the beginning that no one's giving me a straight answer. How do I go back to the very mm-hmm. beginning of, of where this stuff started from? And uh, I started buying these epic collections, Marvel's epic collections. Essentials? No, the, I had the essentials. Oh, okay. Those were the black and white yeah, reprints. Yeah. Those stopped being printed. Have so, they? yeah, they stopped okay. printing those apparently like five or six years ago. Okay. And now what they sell is ones called the epic collection. So they're more expensive because they're glossy paged mm-hmm. full color reprints. Of, oh, that sucks. Of, yeah. And I, I bought a few of them. Um, Because this was like, they'd actually start in the, the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. So they'd go right back to like the first issue, which I also didn't understand could be confusing for someone new to comic books is that I'm looking at the back and it's like covering issues of journey into mystery number 170 something or whatever. Sure, sure so basically for anyone who's interested is is all the most of these characters didn't start with their own comic book issue one they started as a special story in because they a were monster
1: series. monster comics and there was a backup story of this guy or this guy yeah exactly yeah.
0: so it ended up being like these goofy little stories and uh and in a very short period of time you know i remember like whatever i pick up these epic collections they were expensive and I think I I bought maybe nine or 10 of them. So I had like Spider-Man, Ant-Man, Hulk, everything Avengers, right? I'm like, where did all these characters from the Avengers, Mm -hmm. Ant-Man and stuff like that. And uh, I started reading them. um, And then a friend of mine gave me a a hard drive that had everything Marvel and DC. So I could start reading on my iPad and have to lug around these books. Mm And uh, and I just started reading right from the very beginning the the I guess golden age of of comics yeah see
1: so that that's risky because it's it's a very it's very hokey style
0: very hokey
1: and it's kind of a yeah it's kind of a tough
0: but I'm seeing where like the funny thing is that in watching the movies from the the, the cinematic universe I'm actually seeing a lot of the nods to the things in it like sure.
1: But uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. It's it's tricky to ask where to start because it's like, do you want to start at the beginning or do you want to start where it gets good or do you want to? Uh,
0: well, that's the thing. And someone said to me that that you don't have to focus on reading all of somebody's stuff. Just read stories. Mm-hmm. Grab a story, and then it, there's a story in there with this and that happening. As mm-hmm. long as you read that whole, you know, five or six issue story, mm-hmm. you're gonna get everything from that. And I guess that's what. It, and they reboot things all the time. And yeah. There's different universes, so I'm I'm learning that. Because uh, I was reading these, I was just trying to, to do it full fanboy and just read everything yeah. in chronological order since I had them all, and it's it's a it's a it could be a slog, Grudge. yeah, big time because it's just like ugh, and the it's so sexist, <laughs>
1: like oh, Stan Lee stuff was ridiculous, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, Fantastic Four is, the, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, the internet gets lots of memes and stuff about you know you know superman is a dick there's a whole website devoted to that because of his like 1930s and 40s like racist diatribe really oh yeah um yeah yeah and and sexism and whatever
0: oh they're always like like at the end of every issue of marvel in the 60 you know 62 63 it seemed to be like ugh, dames who can understand them (laughs) (laughs) apparently even uh Ant Man or whatever, Hank Pym would would smack Janet around or whatever. The, no, the that wasp. was that was a was that, that was, later.
1: That was later um in Avengers, and that that still is a controversial. Oh yeah, uh, that's
0: why they didn't use a Hank Pym as Ant Man in this one. Apparently, in the movies, they they decided not to go with him. They went with the Scott Lang yeah yeah uh, iteration or whatever of them because they were like, yeah, they just so much negative stuff. Is so, I mean, he's still in it. Hank yeah, Pym's yeah. still in it, but it was one of those. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not going to use him. We're not going to use the beater as a. Yeah. as that man we'll use the other guy yeah i don't know i find this stuff uh, fascinating as i'm as i'm learning right yeah. i'm also talking a lot about scotches on my my podcast because i'm <laughs> just getting into scotch whiskeys <laughs> but in a big way
1: mar if you a really fun book about marvel is called marvel the untold story and it's just okay. a it's just a lesson it's got all the backstory and all the scandals and all the evolution right from before the 60s right up until the cinematic universe and stuff but it's cool it's by a guy named sean howe and i i love it i would i i i blew through it because it was just you know a lot of stories i hadn't heard before but it, it covers all the stuff the image stuff the the uh very cool jack kirby stuff and yeah it's uh but yeah it's funny like the the history of it because um Cause yeah we comic book snobs when we look at the movies and stuff because of course ever since we were teenagers we were like we felt like in the know like oh no comics aren't just for kids they're sophisticated and you know <laughs> the alan moore frank miller stuff's like no this is really heavy stuff because it was like it was you know crazy you know murders and, and i don't know it it got pretty heavy um but uh what i like it's 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 kind of fun how it's it, you watch uh every few years or if there's a news story comics aren't just for kids but but they always start telling it like this is a revel because I, I guess to 90 percent of the world it is a revelation but it's but it's always like yeah we already knew this and it's just funny like i've i've been trying to imagine how to do this as a bit although i it seems too convoluted to become one but but just how you know wonder woman hey uh superheroes are are strong women have come to comic books it's like no no you've read the,
0: been there for the, the, yeah.
1: the x-men used to have like create all the most powerful members were women and uh and just like that and it's uh you know now black panther is like this is raising the you know superheroes are finally raising the consciousness is like no he black black panther was doing that like
0: yeah and he was before a lot of them I, that i yeah. i read that recently is that he was one of the first if not the first and he wasn't like they didn't come in it wasn't a exploitation thing or yeah, anything yeah. like that like he came in he was he was king of wakanda he had like the wakanda was already crazy technologically advanced yeah and yeah things like that so
1: but it was funny because even i mean there was still you know it was it was it was still not uh perfectly on the money progressive right, wise right. and you did have luke cage who was total blaxploitation um and stuff like that but still there there were you know you could tell at least some of them were trying and and it was uh, in the 70s a guy named don mcgregor took over uh Black Panther. There was a, a series called Jungle Action, and Black, which sounds <laughs> sounds lovely. I know, but uh, but Black Panther was like the title character of that, and that's a, that's also in this Marvel book. But it's sort of explaining how, in the 70s, this guy uh, Don McGrath, and it was all white people writing these things. But right, um, but yeah, he was sort of trying. To, because all jungle action used to be all about uh, you know the white savior complex of these American explorers coming in and organizing people to fight injustice or whatever. <laughs> right. And this this writer was like trying to no no this will be Black Panther's story and there's going to be no white people in it. He's just going to fight evil and 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 stuff like that. So they, I mean, so there's always like little little efforts of that, but. Uh, but uh, no, it's just, but so yeah, as comic book nerds, we always see like, you know, finally someone's talking, to <laughs> you know, and it's like, ah, you, that's why I, I and I haven't seen Black Panther yet. You haven't but, seen it? No. It's good. And I, I'm going to see it eventually, but it's, but it's, uh, I don't know, I'm just waiting for the first person to be like, you haven't seen it yet? You, you don't, and it's like, hey, how many comics do you own of Black Panther? Because I've got, yeah. a, I've got about 30 at home right now, and just like, like, uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I've been on this bandwagon for a while.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing for me is like I I totally look at it as like there's so there's a wealth of stories and background information and stuff like that. Like when you see the the movies, that's what I've enjoyed about them is at first I was just like, "Oh, these are just fun superhero movies that don't make me feel like it's just a cash grab." Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making tons of money, but they're making tons of money because they're investing in it and they're I feel again, I don't know as much as you do, but I feel like they're doing them them as as good as they can based mm-hmm. on the fact that You know, how do you put 30 years of comic books into a two hour movie, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and 30 years, that's a long time for this. It started here and we're in, you know, 2018, it's gonna be a little difficult to uh, make all that stuff make sense to today's standards the way it was written back then. So Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, I think that they're doing the best they can in the, in the Marvel movies. Um, But I, I have read the infinity gauntlet. Mm -hmm. So all the movies before infinity war are now out so are you, are you excited for for that at all? Uh,
1: I don't really get excited about it anymore, Like, but uh, I don't know why. Maybe it might just be just the sheer, A, the sheer volume of movies. I like just can't uh, get excited that right, often. Of course, and, like when of it was course. starting, it was like when X-Men came out in 2000. I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. But now it's just, yeah, there's so much volume but also and it's it's that and also because i know whatever it is it's not going to be as magical as when i read it back in the day um so uh but i do think it's cool like yeah infinity war looks cool and i haven't seen thor ragnarok yet but i really, really but i want to it's fun yeah
0: i just watched that again the other day um
1: yeah no i like i like the like i definitely like the
0: movies they took two they took two plots for thor ragnarok and put them together so they did the, they did the unworthy thor and they put uh planet hulk yeah together. yeah so got those two storylines
1: that's of what it looks like yeah one. um I, I loved logan i saw that, like that one was uh that's one of my favorites so far but i don't know but it had very little to do with wh- whether i liked the comic or not I just i just liked right. just how a it was fun, made standalone movie yeah yeah
0: I like that they finally went with the R rating for Wolverine mm-hmm. because I think that, uh, and this is just getting super comic book nerdy, but they, they didn't have any R rated uh, Wolverine movies prior. So they couldn't show him, you know, for lack of a better term, fuck people up with his claws. Mm-hmm. But then when they did, when Fox did Deadpool and saw how successful Deadpool was with the R rating and all that shit, yeah. I think they decided, well, all right, well, why don't we just give him an R rated Wolverine movie and see what he can, you know, how it does. And it went, it went great yeah. at first scene where he's, messing the, the the people trying to steal the wheels off the car up mm-hmm. just fun that's what i think if i had right. claws i wouldn't be you know doing a quick little slash the guy spins around and falls down off camera like, yeah yeah i want to see
1: no it was very definitely cathartic stuff going on there but uh <laughs> and i gotta say i love it's fun when you patrick stewart swears like it's yeah like, it was just you never uh, see that no he was cool he was cool as a cranky old old man that swore <laughs> and yeah no I, I love that one yeah like yeah i often think of the comic book movies that i i that i really liked and about half of them now are like my top 10 are marvel ones like i just you know i like i liked that first avengers was just really cool well done and
0: yeah that like was fun
1: winter soldier and stuff but uh but i also like a lot of the comic book movies that weren't marvel or dc like again frank miller's sin city i, I mm-hmm. thought that was just a really cool version of, of that comic and stuff and just that was sort of really stylish i like 300 also because i like yeah. i like that comic too uh i hadn't read 30 days of night but the movie was pretty
0: yeah cool. that movie was rough i don't yeah. know I, I like horror movies but i just there was there was some like sort of torturous scenes in that, that yeah it's upsetting. Well, they were scary so yeah that definitely. was good that was a graphic novel 30 days of night yeah yeah There's so uh, many good ones out there there's um someone else recommended one to me that i didn't realize was a graphic novel and I'm, of course, it's going to slip my mind right now. Um, there's a, one I think uh, it'll it'll pop in my head five minutes into another conversation. Um, why the Last Man? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think I have it, but uh, I. Uh, Foad in uh, in Toronto rec- recommended that to me. Why The Last Man? So mm-hmm. I'm interested in that. There's a few other ones that I didn't realize. Oh, Wanted. That was it. Somebody said that Wanted was- Yeah, a, yeah.
1: I didn't read that that comic. And I don't think I've seen the movie either.
0: Well, the movie was kind of like, I felt like a hokey action movie, but apparently the, the graphic novel was really good. And I remember somebody told me that Watchmen, well, I, I watched Watchmen a few times, and and there's a lot of, I felt like I'm not getting what's going on in yeah, the movie. Yeah, didn't, I
1: didn't like that movie. But, but I heard
0: the the graphic novel was one of the best like ever.
1: Yeah. No, the comic book was amazing. It's fine, because- watchmen the problem was they were so faithful to it that they were just going in order of the action almost page by page and really quickly i was watching the movie and i knew what page we were on yeah and that's that didn't help because it's like uh we got so many more pay like i wasn't really enjoying it because it wasn't the best part of watchmen was the opening credits were amazing yeah when bob dylan is singing and they're showing their constructing the history of the world during the opening credits and I thought yeah this is how you do an adaptation like they're they're getting the essence of it so efficiently and cinematically and fast and this movie is going to be great and then they start page 1 and the dialogue's word for word and I'm just like ah oh, I don't but which is weird because Sin City also was that was like panel for panel really the comic book but it worked there for some reason because it was playing with the style or something like,
0: yeah, that's true. They, they did. Yeah. It looked like you were, you it, were reading. The it comic.
1: looked really, uh, yeah, it just looked way cooler. I thought, so yeah, you never, you never know. And I just, uh, and watchmen just threw in too many sound. I hate, I, I hate soundtracks in movies when they're just like trying to
0: yeah, force music in needless force.
1: Way. Oh man. And just, uh, I don't, if I hadn't hated leonard cohen's hallelujah then i that was that sealed the deal like, i'm so sick of that they, they play should, it all the time they like should have left that alone after
0: shrek but uh, <laughs> that's exactly the one i was thinking yeah. of too Too many times too much that's funny well is there anything that you do you bring the the comics and stuff with you when you're on the road do you have like a like a set or
1: no uh i mean some so, yeah sometimes I do if I see I don't buy anymore I just right. uh, we got a local library that has so many graphic novels and you can order them if you want so I I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll get out a couple of volumes from there and sometimes take the I don't have any with me this time but yeah sometimes I'll take stuff out on the road whether it's like Walking Dead. So it's mostly uh, not a lot of Marvel or DC anymore just because because the the comics are trying to adapt to the movies and it's also, right unrecognizable to me now that i'm not interested in reading about them anymore those characters
0: yeah well they're also doing like and i don't uh i may as well get controversial for no reason um they're i feel like they're they're trying to make the characters too uh too multicultural yeah i don't know if that i mean like it it sounds like i I don't know i feel like i should be in trouble for saying that but the idea is that they're changing all the characters yeah like iron man iron man is a young black woman now uh hulk is an asian guy um wolverine's a woman uh, yeah like and, and i think that there's a few other ones too oh there's a hulk is a woman now too there's a uh not she hulk but a, a woman hulk and then mm-hmm. the the i think the totally awesome hulk is an asian guy i think that just they're changing all the characters i don't know if someone fucking publicly accused them of being racist or something like that or, or prejudiced but all the characters are now being changed off of you know yeah who
1: they were and that's fine if you're starting, you know, a new generation of readers or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, they're uh, – <laughs> um, but, yeah, but it's hard for a guy like me to, like, go back and read about completely different people. And then, you yeah. know, it's fine if I feel like starting from ground zero on a new Hulk saga, but I don't want to. I'd rather right. read something completely new then. Yeah. Um, and it's – and I, I find it. And it's, but it is a weird thing. I like the, because, um, you know, Iron, Iron Fist gets you know, reamed out uh, as a Netflix series or whatever, because that's playing into the whole white savior thing of why right. why isn't this Kung Fu guy Asian? Why did they have to bring in a, an American? Right. And I see that and think, well, no, but that's what they did in Iron Fist. Like, okay, maybe- Yeah, that's that story. That's, uh, it was in the seventies. Maybe it was racist to do it back then, but that's because everybody did that back then. But but um, yeah, and, and Doctor Strange, too. There's a little bit of that, too. It's like, well, why is he an
0: American? Yeah, and they changed it from like, uh, what was it? Wasn't it Tibet or something like that? They changed it the location of where the ancient one was yeah. from or whatever. Yeah, I forget. There was apparently something behind that, but I, I don't know what it was. But I yeah. just think. I mean, yeah, and, and I don't know.
1: I, I don't want to, like, yeah, I don't want to raise a huge fuss about, oh, that that's like, because ancient one's a woman and he's an old man in the comic but right. they change that and it's like okay i mean you want to you want to diversify it a little bit but um but but at the same time don't don't freak out that the you're true to the that it was an american material, an American yeah. surgeon that crashed and then he had to go to
0: yeah. you
1: know or that iron, iron fist his whole thing is he was a kung fu billionaire that was his uh <laughs>
0: Well, at the same time too, it's like, yeah, they were American, but they it's not like they were like they went to the best martial art dojo in Brooklyn yeah, <laughs> and yeah. learned the ancient <laughs> arts. He did go to the place that was renowned for being the most advanced yeah. in that. I don't know. I, I like I said, I, I guess uh in the climate that we're in now, it feels like anytime you question anything, you're gonna get shit like you're you know, you're not for it. I just think that it seems like they're changing all the characters to meet some kind of quote. I, I was saying too, like, when they when they take, um, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot with talking about something controversial. Of course, get you rope you into a conversation <laughs> nobody wants to have nowadays. Yeah. But I, I I was saying um, I have been saying lately that when you're watching things like the Oscars and and stuff like that, and they're like, okay, it's all women presenters. Mm-hmm. I feel like personally, I would rather I would rather have everyone included. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's, why don't we just do something and have everybody included as opposed, I don't know, to me, it feels like pandering. It's like, oh, let's have all of this now. It doesn't feel real. I think it's probably a really bad example, but it's almost like the special Olympics is, is like creating, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, but I mean, creating something yeah. only for the purpose of inclusion, as opposed to changing what's already there and making it inclusive for everyone. It feels like you're creating something to be like, here you go, you're this. So now you, you have to fit into this. I don't know. Yeah. It just, I'd rather it be real. It doesn't feel authentic. It feels forced. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I mean about the comics. It doesn't feel authentic because I'm all for it. Like, fuck. Yeah. Bring, bring in new stories, bring in new characters mm-hmm. and mega who gives a shit. But then, but taking what's already there and then forcing the old out and forcing the new in is what it feels like
2: mm-hmm.
0: doesn't feel organic. And yeah. that's, that's what I, that's, and that's the same thing. Like I said, when I watched Jessica, it doesn't feel organic. This feels forced and I'd rather get behind something natural and authentic than something. Yeah. You know. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I
1: think so. And, but, uh, but yeah, it's like you say though, you get, you get in trouble for just questioning anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, even, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, you know, i most of my views are left leaning, but I do think as the left as an entity sucks. Yeah. Pretty bad because. Uh,
0: I feel like to be completely liberal. It's like, it's like a 1% line. You look at this big, big side that's got a right and a left to it. And it's like, you're le- you're actually truly socialist for like a, like mm-hmm. just a thin line. And then you're just, arrogant in people's face and telling everybody how to live their lives. It's
1: Cause yeah, but they, they just fracture, like just, you're talking about the Oscars and I was, I was watching Bill Maher had a guest on and they were talking about the Oscars and just hear yeah, things you hear about. Even, even the people trying to be progressive don't go far enough. And so, suddenly they become, no, you're racist because you didn't go far enough. Yeah. Um, the one you hear is the, oh man. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You saw. Yeah. There's a reflection. Jay um, keeps walking by and giving us the finger, <laughs> for listeners. So why do we get distracted, randomly? But did like, and now the pots and pans clanging as Jason making noise in the kitchen for no fucking reason.
1: Fucking house. <laughs> but you hear they're like Black Panther is uh, apparently uh, you know it's this big watershed for you know progressiveness because it's an all black cast and it's empowering that way. But then what they were talking about was that there was a lesbian plot line that they cut from the movie in the final cut and word of that got out. And now everyone's saying what a homophobic piece of shit, the black Panther Jesus movie is. Christ. And that's, you know, so anyway, so point
2: well, is, you, you can't win. You, do.
0: you can't win. That's, yeah. that's the thing at the end of the day. You can't win. It's, uh, it's fun to, uh, there's, there's comics who are doing jokes about it, which is, I think great that somebody's talking about it. Cause that it is a dialogue that people want to have. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you can't really do much. Can't really say much or do much or else. Like you said, it doesn't matter. Black Panther, most progressive thing ever. And then the next thing you know, oh, it's, there's a lesbian plot. You didn't do that. Didn't go far enough. So I just say, I I like having everyone included. I I don't like the times and and events that feel forced Mm -hmm. because then I don't feel like I feel like it's bullshit. Right. He said, like, it's like you're patting, patting a group or people on the head going, here you go. This is for you. And it's your birthday party. And this is all for you. And see, aren't, don't we love you? And I'm like, that doesn't feel real. If you mm-hmm. want to be real, then just do it on a day to day thing. Just have people come in and, and let everyone be a part of something. Don't take something away. From, I don't know. Now I, now I sound horrible. They don't take something away from someone else and give it to someone else just because.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, but like you said, invent something new, make new characters. Mm-hmm. you know, going back to the comic book part nice and I comic. It's all fake fictional
1: runaways. It's just runaways yeah. was a new con concept and they put through in a lot of diversity and it's great. Cause you're getting in on the ground floor and you're meeting
0: all these people. And yeah. And uh, well, did you see the new Spider-Man movie? Yes. That was the example that I used tons of different cultures represented that movie. No aspect of it felt forced.
1: Yeah. Do you but, know what I mean? It was just a bunch but, of different kids in a high but, school and that's what But it was. Right a lot of white kids got, got switched. If, uh, right yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah so i mean but again I, I don't feel like that was something that um hurt the movie yeah do you know what i mean it wasn't like oh well that character was actually white it's like so who cares yeah yeah like that's i i didn't find that as essential yeah, but yeah. the idea to take to take like uh the key, the main characters that you've known and grown up with it and completely switch them out for something else
1: it was honestly it was still jarring for me because all those supporting characters were the people i grew up with and so right so it did it for me it did feel a little. A, little forced also really
0: okay fair enough fair enough
1: but uh but it didn't like you say it didn't affect the storyline so there was no it so there was no reason like like you couldn't do that so it was it was fine but it but it but i could say like okay yeah. this is uh is uh yeah they're they're deliberately they're changing Sh- shuffling things up shuffling yeah. shuffling things around
0: i wasn't the only character in that movie that i was familiar with was mary jane Mm-hmm. So she's the only one uh, mm-hmm. that I was familiar with. So his buddy Ned is Ned in the comic books yep. and stuff. Oh, really? Okay. So see, there you go. So maybe that's the love interest, Gwen Stacy. Oh no, well, sorry, Gwen's Liz, not in sorry.
1: That. No, Liz Allen, Liz Allen, so. Liz
0: Allen's also in the, the oh, comics. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Wait. And
0: Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson, I knew. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so there, yeah, so there you go. There's a lot I didn't even know Flash was in the movie, but maybe I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Well, because oh, yeah. you wouldn't recognize. Him. <laughs> <laughs> well then they said there you go maybe i got it wrong because that's the thing i I, maybe that's where it 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 is effective when people don't know yeah because that's the thing i didn't know the sword i knew some of the characters but i was like oh mary jane's you know this the zendaya girl or whatever Mm. i'm like okay so yeah that's something different well there you go so just me doing what i usually do is not knowing what i'm talking about but i just i don't know it felt it didn't feel forced but like you said knowing the characters you having a total change oh, that's an interesting direction okay. well there'll be there'll be a balance somewhere between
1: but it was like but i was watching watching it uh you know and just the, the scenes are acting out and i'm enjoying these characters and then i catch what one of them they refer to one another another by name and i just like what oh okay <laughs> all right i guess but but it, it was jarring for like oh that's supposed to be that okay
0: Right. Well, especially with comic books when it's not like a book where you're reading someone's name over and over. And mm-hmm. over. You're, you're seeing their face for years and years because it's pictures. Mm-hmm. So then for, yeah, for them to turn around and be something completely different. Mm-hmm. I am almost, I'm almost waiting. <laughs> Sounds like a, like a self interest thing, but I'm almost waiting for them to start putting like obese characters in <laughs> yeah. to make the overweight population feel like they can be occluded. Yeah, so, yeah. So now it's like a overweight black lesbian who's playing the hulk yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean and the skin color has to change because that's too <laughs> not <laughs> enough representation in the green although it is safe did you know something just for fun did you know that like uh because we we're talking about you know just first off it all comes back to you never going to please everybody there's always mm-hmm. going to be somebody who's upset and, mm-hmm. and things like that in, in in situations like this but did you know that uh i think uh telus you know the the, the cell phone company in canada mm-hmm. you other know commercials they all have animals and stuff like that in it
1: yeah oh i think i know where you're going yeah this. yeah it's
0: like you they, it's all used they use all animals because you can't get mad at, at yeah, an yeah. animal you know what I mean? yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily like a, a race or something like that yeah whereas like regular commercials where like depending on who you put as the spokesperson talking it's yeah, like yeah. it upsets people or they'll turn yeah, yeah. i just think that's interesting and fascinating to that, that even as a marketing standpoint they're like you know what someone's gonna get pissed off at this guy or that guy yeah let's just put let's just put animals and make it nice and easy
1: wow I could I could segue into the CD here. Sure, let's do it. Because that that's uh, that CD Ted Offensive is is kind of pulling all my my most controversial jokes in one <laughs> really. CD. Uh, not that they're hugely there are a couple, but the couple they they talk a lot about. There's a lot of religion in there. There's a lot of uh, gay uh, like gay rights or lack or and pre- there's there's a lot about prejudice in there um and it's uh yeah and it's and i just want to put them all in in one place but a lot of it is like uh some of it's pretty shocking and some of it but i sort of i like doing jokes about that because if you listen to it from beginning to end you can see there's come out the other side and there's kind of maybe a point's been made or it's or it's just a funny way of looking at it and um anyway that's but that's sort of like addressing what you're saying. And it, it is very much a you can't please everybody sort of thing.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: But uh yeah, cuz I I find that too. I just I just wish uh you know, people it's 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 hard that you can't bring up certain topics without immediately people get their back up. Right. And sometimes the joke is you know, you hear that uh someone said, you know, I didn't, you know, you shouldn't have joked about that it's like okay well did you hear sort of to the end about yeah were you listening to it and and often it's like no i tuned out as soon as you brought up the topic it's like well okay well you should have taken a page from the people listening because they all had a good laugh out of it and
0: yeah well that's there's so much of that there's so much of that And, and the funny thing too is people i i hate when people take the policy stance on things like oh the policy the the climate right now says that i'm supposed to say this in the situation it's like but do you really think that Mm -hmm. don't you have thoughts like that's the thing i mean on the record i'd be like yeah i think all of this equality stuff is great you know but i mean i i say all the time i'm like i don't really think it's equality i think it's it feels fake you know what i mean it feels like everyone's uh, afraid Mm -hmm. you know it's a, ter- it's a terrible time to talk about any of this stuff. And that, the, the whole thing is we all grow as a society and a culture when we discuss and when we share new ideas, mm-hmm. the thing is you say the wrong thing, you know, and, and you don't even have an opportunity to bounce ideas off someone else and go ahead, like to learn, this is what it feels like to me. And then, you know, someone else gets to offer in a different, no, cause nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to get in shit and mm-hmm, lose their mm-hmm. job or be publicly accused of this and that. So, yeah,
1: no, it's fun though. The comedians, you, you can still sort of do that though. Right right um you probably get some people mad but just i i am happy that it st- still seems like people that show up to the live shows that pay their money buy their ticket and walk into the club are still wanna wanna talk about stuff or like still not everyone some people still get grown but it feels like as opposed to the internet which is just like if you offend them they'll like they'll yeah. go nuts whereas people people who pay to see comedy by and large are kind of ready for it and they're and they're kind of willing to listen to it yeah and kind of like to listen to it and like that you know feel relieved that people are saying things that are Kind of, like, could get them <laughs> in trouble on the internet.
0: Well, yeah, everybody wants to watch someone else say it and someone else do it, which is a fun thing, too. Yeah, yeah. But even, like, it's the thing, at the end of the day, if you can get them thinking about it maybe differently or whatever, you yeah. know, just to, or, or to even just relate and go, ah, I thought that same thing and I like the perspective on this, it, it, you know, as I... I as,
1: oh, sorry. As, no, please, please. No, as, but as long as you're going for the laugh first, as, as long as you, you make them laugh and then they... They may not think about it afterwards, but maybe they will. But sometimes I think just the act of laughing at a taboo subject is kind of like just that. That right there is a bit of an open-minded moment of like.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you can release some of the pressure from it too by yeah. like putting a little bit of a positive spin on something, or like, or at least a humorous one. I'm ex- dude. I'm excited to, to to listen to this CD. It's called Tet Offensive, uh, and I'm just seeing here it was recorded at Absolute Comedy right here in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I'm familiar with, uh, with Dean too, who did the recording. So uh, this is going to sound amazing. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you got two, uh, two shows tonight, of course, but at, uh, by the time they hear this, this your, your week in Ottawa is long over. Um, where can people, uh, hook up with your stuff? So I want to say for where, where can they get your CD? Let's start with that.
1: Okay. That's, uh, that's up on CD baby is the main, uh, CD, CD baby.com. Baby. Uh, but now I think it's now, uh, just the digital distribution just got approved so you'll be able to find it on amazon itunes and a, wicked and a bunch of stuff like that
0: and it's called tet offensive everybody. It's spelled t-e-t-e offensive so it's like
1: offensive head like tet in french is head but if you know your vietnam history that's also a very uh, infamous uh, battle because you know who who won't laugh at a v- obscure Vietnam reference
0: well it's that or Cyclops humor yeah apparently. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no this is great Dave I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me it's always a pleasure I love working with you I love watching you perform yeah likewise I hope we get
1: and, to work uh, together again soon oh absolutely. it's been a while
0: absolutely well uh, thank you very much for sitting down with me I'm going to uh, bring you back to the condo now because you have more writing and work to do yes, yes. as I'm sure it never ends um, but thanks for sitting down with me today and uh, I look forward to talking with you again
1: yeah thanks Josh